Hey everybody, Captain Andy Comics is right about to start, but there's a lot of great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including this one. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Hey, it's Rick. And Dave. From Minutia Men, we have a new podcast series on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a series called Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. It's all of our celebrity interviews that you've heard on our regular series and, and some new ones too. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead, it's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. Now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Hey, it's Cabinet of Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. And uh, there's a lot going on. We're just discussing about, is this now just like, going to be a Mandalorian podcast it very easily for the could next be. six weeks? Because, man, that show is not getting worse. Yeah, I have, um, every week I kind of think like, well, I won't, it can't be as good as it was the week before. And every single week I'm like, this is the my favorite thing this week <laughs> but it's like i'll try to pick something else yeah but every week i'm like well this is and i was just uh texting with um friend of our chris Fitarella, who's been on the podcast yeah. uh he was like he's like yeah i watched the first one on a free trial but i'm not watching the rest he's like he's like the first one was really good it's still good i'm like it's still amazing yeah it's it's just as good over the so uh you'll be listening to this after thanksgiving holiday and we went over to my folks' house, and I... Yeah, they put it out on Thanksgiving night. They were like, fuck everybody. They put out Mandalorian on Thanksgiving yeah, night? Yeah, they put, they put these out late Thursday nights, and oh. I'm like, oh, maybe it won't be this week, and Friday morning there was. Oh, well, I like, always see it we, Friday morning. I always check, like, late Thursday. They, and they put it... It's like midnight oh, Thursday. Okay. It's real late, but, like, we woke up first thing, Black Friday. And had a new episode. And I was like, we're all home, we're all watching it. Yeah. Because uh, I was saying this last week. I figured it was my show. Nobody in my house really cares about Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I used to love it. When I was a kid during the original trilogy, it was my favorite thing in the world. It hasn't been since then, um, but I'm always interested. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I think Rise of Skywalker is going to be really good this week um, with the holiday weekend. I, I watched Solo again last week and I watched Rogue One yesterday. And I'm like, yeah, these movies are good. I have no problems with them, but I don't get excited in the way that like a Marvel movie. Uh but not only has this been my favorite thing since The Empire Strikes Back, but, like, everybody in my house loves it. Yeah, that's what's interesting is I think it's uh, the the wider audience is appealing to. So, for instance, it's like Tina and Lisa – Tina uh, – Lisa doesn't particularly care, but Tina's obsessed with Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda's pretty Because it's everywhere. And so we went over to the house on Thanksgiving. We were with my folks, and I – my parents don't care about Star Wars. And I said, just sit down and just watch – I brought my laptop. I said, just watch 10 minutes. Just watch the opening for the show. You were saying on the show last week, I'm going to show it to my dad and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And my mom thought it was awesome. Tina says it's awesome because she hasn't seen any episodes, but she's seen the Baby Yoda stuff first. So she wants to start watching it. And my dad afterwards, like, never cares about any of this nerd crap, was like, so this is like uh, – it's a show – 
And I'm like, he's like, do I have to know anything about Star Wars? I'm like, no, Dad. It's like, just think of it as a Western in space. You just sit down. You're just going to follow this one guy. He's a bounty hunter. And he's like, okay. Yeah. The and only, it's like he seems interested. You know? The only continuity in it is they show, like, the alien races. And um, but I don't think you even need. Like, you don't, you don't need even There's need just to like, know. that's an alien. You don't even know, need to know what Yoda is. All you have to know is this little baby has magical powers. Right, and everybody wants it. And everyone wants it. But yeah, I, but there's so little detail, I mean, um, which I love because it's it's done like a spaghetti western where yeah. it's like, I don't know what's going on. And he, the Mandalorian is not explaining anything. Right, well, he doesn't really necessarily know what's going on either. But I was, yeah, because I was talking to Chris about it. He's like, well, well, what happens in it? I was like, well, the se- in the second episode, he fights a whole sand crawler. He goes, oh, so he goes to Tatooine? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, he's, I don't know what planet is, is he's like because there's no. I don't know what any of the planets he's been to. They don't name the planets. They don't name them, and it's never said in the dialogue. Like right. he's never saying like, "We'll go." Like when he fought the big, mo- that big like rhino monster, rhino monster, and the Jawas were there. Was that Tatooine? Because it was kind of a desert. I feel like it wasn't because it was a different color, and the Jawas had red eyes. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I think, and uh, I was in Walgreens. Yesterday, and I found the Jawa figure from the Mandalorian, which I didn't get because I'm like, it's just a Jawa. Yeah. If it came with the egg, I was oh, saying, yeah. or an egg, I was like, if it, if it had an egg, you with could like, open you know, up. Yeah, and he's going to eat it. I would have bought it, but it was clearly a repaint from the original. But it was listed as off world Jawa. So I'm like, oh, so that's not Tatooine, oh. but what is it? I don't know. I don't think it, yeah, it doesn't really matter. It never occurred to me until I think you and me talked about it. It's like, why the why would the Jawas be confined to one planet? You know, it's just because they live in the Maybe desert. Maybe they weren't even from Tatooine. We right, they might not be. They might just be like intergalactic junkers. Yeah. You know, they go everywhere. Space travel is so simple. In, in Star in Wars. In the Star Wars universe. Right. I mean, you know, you can go into a bar. You yeah. can go in a bar and pay a guy to drive, to fly to Alderaan. Right. So it's not like... It's not like only the Empire and only the Rebellion can are get around other planets. Right. Um, yeah, which, spaceships is like everyone has a spaceship because everyone like has a car. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's as drivable uh, in space as it is in, you know, to get around in the, the real world be, be, with like a vehicle. You can just go wherever you want, you know? Yeah, and if, this episode, episode four, I felt like was the most expected plot because I'm like, all right. This is a trope I've seen a million times. I'm oh, like, yeah. That, the outlaw defends the farm from the gang. Yeah. It's like that. I'm, and it's like, I I don't even need to name titles because it's not even like, oh, it's this Clint Eastwood movie. It's like an every, it's every Western, Western, Western movie. That. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what's cool about it is like that we're walking. Uh, it's like walking on like a rake and it hits you in the head. You know, it's coming. It's like it's telegraphed so heavily, but it's all how do you and do I it? don't mind it yeah. at all. I'm just like, oh, cool. And he's going to fight uh spoiler and at at, at or whatever. An ATST, an ATST. The two-legged one. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, that, this is dope. <laughs> that's what I was like. All right. You can show me this this plot again. If yeah. you have Star you Wars have stuff in it. Fighting a walker hand to hand again. I say this every week and it has yet to give me an episode that doesn't feel like it. It feels like playing with Kenner action figures. Yes. It feels like you're yes. on the floor, and I'm like, well, I got the ATST and I got a Boba Fett. Like, how's he going to shoot at that thing? Right. How and, do you stop an ATST if you're just a little guy? That's great. And this is the episode that Gina Carano's in. Um, yeah. That we, she's one of the people we knew going in that she was going to be in it. Right. There's a figure of her coming out. Um, I've liked her since Deadpool 1. And she's like, like the big girl. Yeah, Deadpool she has a fight one. with Colossus. Yeah, okay. And then like her boob pops out and he doesn't want to look at it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you're so sweet. Which is the one line reading I really like for yeah. her. They usually, she was a, she's an MMA fighter. Like I think, I think, oh. they, I think she fought Ronda Rousey in one thing and they made a big deal about that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
both Gina Carano and Ronda Rousey are like, they're big, tough women that are also good looking. Right. So they're just going to keep getting movie parts. Yeah, good on them. Like, it, well, the, the, that was something that occurred to me, and I could be wrong about this, um, but it would make sense if I wasn't. Um, there's a lot of more like physical combat fighting in this episode than yeah. I think in previous episodes. And so it's clearly that girl has training because she looks like she knows what she's doing. Yep. But then I was like, this isn't the actor in the Mandalorian suit. I'm like, this is a really good stunt guy, probably. Probably, Because yeah. it's a helmet. That's the benefit of the character staying in costume and not taking the mask off is like, in the fight scenes, it could be a really good fight yeah. choreographer. So the fights are going to look a lot better, which is really cool. Um but, right and and yeah and they do and they do look great in this and they keep making this big deal about like his helmet of like oh um, yeah my dad asked me that he's like yeah, he keeps the helmet on the whole time I'm like yeah it's like I'm like we're at that point I was three episodes in I'm like he doesn't take the helmet off at all he takes the helmet off in this but you don't see him right and it's like it dry it's driving me nuts because I mentioned this a couple of times before but. Jango Fett barely had his fucking helmet on in Attack of the Clones. Right. And that's a guy who's a Mandalorian. He's like a great fighter. He's a better fighter than Boba Fett. He has like, he has an amazing fight with Obi-Wan in the middle of that movie. Mace Windu cuts his head off. Yeah, maybe that's why he keeps the helmet on. Well, that's the thing. I've seen the meme of like, uh, Mandalorians don't take off their helmets and everybody's showing a meme of like Mace Windu cutting his head off. They're like, yeah, that's what happens when you take your helmet off. I'm like... But all the fucking scenes where he has his helmet off and he's just talking to people. Yeah. Like they're, uh, you know, like when Mace Windu shows up, he turns his lightsaber on Jango Fett. He doesn't have his helmet on. He's like standing in the arena, like watching them die with no helmet on. Yeah. And they built this whole mythology of like, oh, you never take your helmet off. I'm like, is that a recent thing? Is that like well, maybe since it's, the Empire? Well, it could be just like uh, that one guy, the clone guy. Like Django Fett. Maybe Django Fett's just a, he, a He's just dick. a guy that just doesn't follow rules. You know, yeah. everyone else has followed the rules. This guy's out they're, here. They're letting him clone himself? Yeah. Uh, and that's another interesting thing because the more the backstory of the Mandalorian gets painted in, um, it's actually really consistent with Rebels. I've been watching... That's what I keep hearing. I've been watching Rebels on the app and it's pleasant. It's a kid's show, so it's not entirely engaging for me, but um, I'm having it on while I'm like working in the house. And one uh, that one of the characters, Sabine, is a Mandalorian. She's taking her helmet off at every fucking given opportunity. Yeah, she like only puts it on in a fight. So I don't know where this thing comes from, but they but they've also corroborated that the Mandalorians have gone into hiding and they've been wiped out by the Empire. And I think, which is what this, this which show is, is saying. Yeah. So I, I think Dave Filoni is a big part of Mandalorian and he's worked on all the animated series. So I think he's coming in going, hey, I said this on the animated series. Keep it consistent. Let's, yeah, let's I kind of like that, that uh, stuff. I don't need the deep dives because I'm not going to watch all this like extra crap. Um, but the yeah, I, I, I don't mind them digging into like the mythology of them, uh, the Mandalorians and stuff, because it's different than something we've seen before in Star Wars. Right. I just it's like everyone pretending that the Mandalorians are like honorable good guys. It's like eh, these guys are still they're bounty hunter mercenary types. Yeah. These aren't like heroic characters. I think everyone's like these they're heroes. They have a code of honor. And it's like, eh. a code of honor, like Klingons. Have yeah. A code of honor. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's still the bad guys. Let's not, you know, <laughs> rub their dicks too it's much. Like the, the Klingons in Star Trek next generation, they did nothing but talk about honor and then screw each other over. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but what, uh, I was 
it I don't know why it took me this long to like have this like click for me, but we were in the fourth episode you just we just watched, which I guess we're always gonna just talk about this show until it's off the air. But so four more episodes. Yeah, of this. yeah. <laughs> but sorry, but listeners. But I was watching the show and it, it occurred to me in this fourth episode, I'm like, oh man. If this is what the Star Wars shows are like, I'm like, are those those Marvel shows are going to be like the same caliber? Is that what we're to, yes, to they be? Are. They're to be, is it like Winter Soldier and Falcons going to be this quality? Yeah, think of Loki at this quality. Yeah, I think it's going to be. Um, I I I was very excited for the Mandalorian from the trailers more so than I was for um, like most of the Star Wars movies, which the trailer looked really good for this new one coming right, out. You're, but you're still not even that excited about. I I, I keep forgetting it's coming out, and I'll see it uh, for sure. But I'm like, it's uh, gonna be funny how this movie now has to live up to the Mandalorian, right? Like, it's like the Mandalorian is so good. I was watching Daisy Ridley was on the Tonight Show talking about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, they started asking her questions about Baby Yoda. Oh, because that's yeah. like it's, it's such a big deal. Yeah, because Jimmy Fallon was like, "What's cuter, a porg or a baby Yoda?" She's like, "Baby Yoda." <laughs> yeah, they know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, but so I'm really excited for it, and now I'm just like, now I'm finding myself more like, oh man, it's like, it's going to be really interesting to see the other two Star Wars shows they're coming out with, and what the Marvel shows Obi-Wan. are going to look like. Now. Yeah, well, you know, I, like I said, I watched Rogue One on the app yesterday, which. Um, I still maintain it's not it's not an amazing movie, but it's a good story. It's like I I don't really care. I didn't really care about this plot going into it. Mm. I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'll find out how they got. <laughs> What's like the the? <laughs> Here's a movie about the subplot from the opening of the first Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like which. Which, to be fair, were all the prequels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, how? Why are Darth Vader and Obi Wan enemies? Yeah. Do you have six hours? Yeah. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the show with Cassian and, uh, K2SO now. Cause I was watching that. First of all, Alan Tudyk is amazing in everything. Yeah. And. Oh, he was great in that, uh, in that murder bot. Kind of the best droid character I've ever seen. He's, he was like, he was like if C-3PO was Niles Crane. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Frasier lately cause, um, uh, I want. To, I want to finish it. I know I've been talking about it for a few weeks, but I know NBC's going to pull it off Netflix. Oh, right. You want to get it. And before. I never finished it because I just fell off at some point. So I, so when Ben and I have time, we're just watching like three or four Frasers, but I'm yeah. remembering how good it was. And um, David Hyde Pierce was uh, such a strong character in that, that I'm like, there are, I can see his, his, that character in a lot of things, including Rogue One. In fact, uh, Sebastian was watching Bugs Life on the app mm-hmm. the other week, and I hadn't seen it in a while. Oh, yeah, he's in that. And I forget, there's a scene where Cliff from Cheers yells at Niles from Frasier. Yeah. Because Cliff runs the circus. Right. Because John Ratzenberger's in every Pixar movie. Yeah. And that it's that scene. Is where, he in every Pixar movie? He is, yeah. He's the piggy bank of Toy Story. That's his biggest role. He was the underminer in Incredibles. He oh, the, he would have played him in both Incredibles. Yeah, because two, he's in the beginning starts, of Incredibles yeah. too. He's the abominable snowman in Monsters Inc. A lot, of, a lot of movies he gets like one line, but he's the flea that runs the flea circus. Yeah, and in that scene, like David Hyde Pierce is like, "I'm not going out there lonely. Laugh at me." And John Ratzenberger goes, "You're sticking. It's like it's funny. No, no, no." <laughs> It's like, and it didn't yeah. hit me. I'm like, that's it's Cheers and Frasier. Yeah, that's cool. And it's in '98 when Frasier's like one of the biggest shows. Um, but 
Yeah, so we've been watching a lot of Frasier and like that pomposity. You don't see that anymore. No. Like, because Niles and Frasier were these two pompous characters. Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's what made him, that made that show so funny. And I think what makes it hold up and so original. And you see that in Alan Tudyk's performance in the, as a robot. Yeah, the, he's well, got the best lines too. He throws them away. There's that scene where they're, they're shooting at the stormtroopers and uh, Jenner so shoots, uh, like, shoots the droid and it collapses. And Alan Tudyk standing behind it. It's the same model droid. And he just goes, did you know that wasn't me? Yeah. <laughs> and there's no answer. That's great. And I want I do want to watch that again. It's a decent movie. Do you think, um, so I was watching The Mandalorian as I do. And I, we, 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 b- before the show came out, we were like, oh, Taika Waititi is going to play this like droid character. And then he got shot. And then it's like, oh, and this girl is uh, this MMA fighter girl. She's going to be this badass like bounty hunter character. And she was in like one episode and she's gone. Do you think these characters are coming back? I think, think they're not. Right. That's what I think. I think because it's like we're not going to these... see them anymore. That's like he's just on this like journey. These are just people we meet. I think it's I think it's uh, Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. And those are our only two yeah. main characters. Which, I, mean, I got to say, I'm a little frustrated because I kind of really like the Taika Waititi droid. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's it. That's all we're going to get of him. And he's not. Coming back, he's not going to show ch- chase the baby down. I mean, Werner Herzog and Carl Weathers came back, but that's it. For one episode, but he was on the same planet. You yeah, know, it's like... he came back, it was in one and then three. Right. Yeah, but it's like, but the little guy, the I Have Spoken guy, which has gone viral. Uh, that was, what's his name? Uh, Nick, uh, Nick Nolte. Yeah, was it Nick Nolte? It was yes. Nick Nolte doing, doing the, the voice, voice of, uh, yeah. uh, and the... I know, I think it was Warwick Davis. It was Warwick Davis, yeah. Who was, yeah. Who was Wicked, and he was Willow. Yeah, it was really cool. But he won't be in anymore. always in stores. Right. I have spoken. But, that was a know, really cool character. I think character. that's a plus, because the show's just giving us all of these really cool mm. characters, and People then People coming in and on. doing, like, little bit parts, and then and bouncing. If they're replaced by somebody as cool, then I'm fine Right. Yeah, uh, I do, and, I do and with like guys the, like Taika... Taika and Werner Herzog, it's like, oh, how mu- how how many days can you get with them? Right. You know, like Taika... Well, Taika's Taika just, just doing voices in a booth. You know, he could do the whole season in, in an afternoon. Yeah, but he just finished Jojo Rabbit, and he's starting Thor. I mean, he's directing movies. Right. So he's it's like, it's fella. really a spare time where he runs in and does a voice and runs out. Yeah. It's so goddamn enjoyable. Yeah. I, mean, I And I don't know what... I, it's another thing that's enjoyable about the movie is like... Um, or the show is, um, I don't know what's coming next. It's like when he right. got to that planet, it was a farm. I'm like, okay, he's going to stay on this farm. He's going to do that whole bit we talked about where he's going to defend the farm against the Raiders. That all makes sense. And then I thought, oh, he's just going to try to hide out here. And then it's no, like, oh, no, spoilers, he's got to yeah. leave. So it's like. It's more episodic than you think it is. Yeah. It's, it's like the season is about him protecting baby Yoda. But if you look back. Each one of those was pretty self-contained. Yeah. Um, So it's a a pretty sweet... um, This the most, because this was like... Yeah. New location, new characters. And then he's out. Minor spoilers, but at the end, he's like, goodbye. Yeah. And there's no plan to come back. I mean, I don't even know that Gina Carano's coming back. Right. Because I really thought, okay, she's going to team up with him. I thought she was going to go with him at the end of the episode, and then she didn't. And I was like, oh... He's not going to build like a little a team because yeah. it's a you always think Star Wars is like a group of people going around and doing a thing. And I thought like, oh, the robot is going to be teaming up with him. And then he shot the robot. And then right. it's like, oh, this badass stormtrooper girl or whatever she was, she's going to go with him. And then she didn't. I'm like, oh, it is just going to be like this lone gunfighter 
wandering the universe. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm digging. Very it. happy. About yeah, it. I couldn't. It's like I wish. I wish I was more critical of it, just so I wasn't such a fanboy of it. Yeah, I was. But talk- it's like I'm loving it so much. I was talking last night. I was out uh, for uh, my wife had a family thing, and I was talking to one of my cousin-in-laws, and he's like, he's like, you watch Mandalorian? And I'm like, yeah. And I, he's like, I'm like. He's like, what do you think? I'm like, I love it. And, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I'm not sure if I like it yet. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, it's, if you don't, you're wrong. Yeah. It's just, it's too good. And I feel like it took a long time for Star Wars to get to this place. Um, but it's, we're now at the place where it's people of my generation, Gen Xers, who grew up with the original trilogy. Yeah. Now coming in and saying... This is what I love about it, and this is what I want to do with it. And just doing that, I mean, J.J. Abrams, Ta- uh, Taika Waititi is part of that, and John Favreau, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, I understand John Favreau created the show, but it's like you could just really kind of see the love for like the mythology and just them doing a deep dive in all this like Star Wars stuff that they're. They're, we're digging. It's it's what's most interesting about the show is we're digging around in a corner of the Star Wars sandbox that we haven't tranched through before. Right, and we're it, so far removed from, you know, even like the baby Yoda having Force powers. Um, that's it. That's our only. They're not talking about the Force. I don't think the Force has been mentioned. Well, there's this argument going around too about like he's not baby Yoda. Yoda was and. Yeah, when I say Baby uh, Yoda, it's like, what I don't know well, the was, name of the species he is, but he's a baby of that. That's the thing. We've never been told Yoda's species. Well, see, that's what one of the things I had heard. I was talking to one of the guys at work who's, like, deep in all this stuff, and he was saying the Empire wanted the Baby Yoda, though they were going to experiment on it. He's yes. like, they don't know what it is, because Yoda's an unclassified species really? to, for the Empire. So he's like, they don't even know what it is, which is why they wanted it. See, but in Phantom Menace and the Jedi Council, like... um, I think it's Warwick Davis plays like a pink Yoda with like an eye patch. Yeah. And he's sitting in the council. And I remember the first time I saw Phantom Menace, I'm like, oh, there's more Yodas and they're mm. different colors. Um, but like I off and at the end of Revenge of the Sith, when he goes to hide on Dagobah, that's when it first hit me. I'm like, maybe he's not from there. Right. Like, yeah. That might just be some isolated planet where it's like, here's this, a, swamp a swamp planet. I planet. can live here. The Empire's not going to look for me. Right. So we don't know anything about him. And. And that's what I was talking with my cousin-in-law, uh, and they're like, well, he can't be baby Yoda, because this is after Return of the Jedi, and Yoda's already dead. I'm like, no, no, it's whatever Yoda is. Right, and, it's that species. Yeah. Because, I, I, yeah, I don't think and anyone I, thinks it's Yoda. No, but I'm, and I'm I'm fine if they all have Force powers. They might be a Force-sensitive hmm. race. Yeah, I'm fine. And what I literally, anything this show wants to do at this point, I'm fine with. I have yet to find something I'm like, nah, I don't like that. And that's the f- that's the fun of it is that they any species can be anything. Right. Because like um, one of the things I really loved in Clone Wars, and I was not a big fan of Clone Wars, but they had a hammerhead Jedi. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, hell yeah, cool. we have a hammerhead Jedi. Yeah. And those, the animated series are really good about that. It's like, here's a Reese that's a dealer, and here's like a... Uh, Weequan is like basically here's aliens that were in Jabba's palace or in the creature cantina or in Cloud City because I'm pretty sure Nick Nolte was an Ugnaught. Like I think he was those guys on Cloud City, those um, little pig guys. Yeah, I see. I played um one of uh the Star Wars video games, those Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, they're pretty cool, and it's the same kind of ideas. Like you're traveling. To, it's a lot like the Mandalorian in the sense where it's like the, it kind of feels like you're playing with your toys or it's a a video game. 
is you travel around to the different Except planets. It is a video game? Yeah. Well, uh, the Mandalorian feels like a video game. You're traveling to different worlds and you have different missions. And that's what this ga- game was like. You'd go to different planets, you'd have different objectives on each of the planets, and then but you were building a team of guys to travel with you like mercenaries. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys you're with, he had horns on his head and I didn't realize until later in the game I'm like, "Oh, he's he's Darth Maul's species." Uh, and there's one of those guys in episode three, of The Mandalorian. Right. That when the uh, when the guild attacks him, and like Carl Weathers and all those again, mild spoilers. Yeah. Um, but like Carl Weathers and all the bounty hunters attack him, and I'm like, "Hey, there's a guy with horns." I'm like, "That's a Darth Maul guy." Right. Darth Maul's an evil version of that guy. Yeah. He know? wasn't like red and black, but I'm like, "Yep, that's a species that exists." Yep. And that's something we can draw from and throw in. And I feel like the one of the problems with the prequels, which you know pushed me into Star Wars apathy was that George didn't want to mine his own stuff. Yeah. And I get that, but it was like, he's like, oh, here's all new planets, and here's all new aliens, and here's a different kind of government. And he did a lot of stuff that people didn't want to see. People like, no, here's what I want to see about Star Wars. Yeah. And you're deliberately not doing it. And that's what was so refreshing about Force Awakens, was J.J. Abrams came out, J.J. Abrams basically said, hey, what I like about Star Wars is what everybody else likes about Star Wars, and that's what we're going to do. And right. it took it to the point where it was like, here's Han Solo and a Death Star and the Millennium Falcon. Right, it was and- a little too much of repeating um, the... It was a Greatest Hits album. Yeah, absolutely. But I thought that was really what was necessary at the time, was that the yeah, prequels... Yeah, we needed it. The prequels had gone so far afield uh, that they didn't feel like Star Wars at all, that we needed one movie to go, in big letters, this is Star Wars, and... Which is why it was a big hit. Although, um, I don't quite feel the way a lot of fandom does because then Ryan Johnson was like, yeah, we, we know what Star Wars is and now we're going to push it over here. And a lot of people are still angry about Last Jedi. Yeah. And I like I like Last Jedi. I think it's a little, it's not perfect. It's a little slow. Sure. I watched that again not too long ago. It's a little slow in spots. And my big problem is he goes out of his way to flip your expectations yeah it's like almost becomes like it's more about flipping expectations and about whether or not that was the best story decision yeah because sometimes it doesn't affect the story and sometimes it doesn't make sense because you know force awakens ends with ray handing luke the lightsaber and the first thing he does in last year is throw it and walk away and it's like oh you were expecting a big moment and then i forgot about this moment but towards the end when finn they're driving those like ski ships mm-hmm. against that cannon mm. and Finn's like I'm gonna sacrifice my life I'm gonna... and they build up that moment to be like this is it for Finn and then Rose just knocks him out yeah and saves him and I'm like well you didn't really need to build up that moment if you weren't gonna kill him if right that's all about there's a lot of like uh build up build up build up pu- pu- deflate the it's room. a lot about gotcha yeah and um, a little bit more than and it seems more about it's like it's about the gotcha than it is about like yeah is this about making like a good Star Wars movie and he does like Ryan Johnson loves loves to trick you like pull with, the rug out from under you yeah pull the rug out. i yeah. mean S- snoke was a major part of that which i think threw up a lot of what's his name's plans out the window because i think he was building that guy up as like the big bad guy and now it's like oh okay if he's not who yeah, is yeah but he said uh there is stuff about rise skywalker about S- snoke and i think like jj's cleaning up try to use stuff. what he can well that's what i'm hoping and also with like ray ray's lineage being nothing even though it was built up in force yeah. awakens i feel like that's gonna pay off Hopefully. into something else. I well, here's the thing: is like I'm hopeful that 
uh, with the success in The Mandalorian, it kind of shows Disney, the people that are making the decisions on what the green light is like, oh, Star Wars doesn't have to be about the Skywalkers and that right. whatever other trilogy is coming that's after this trilogy can be and probably should be something very, very different than anything we've seen before. Well, and I think The Mandalorian proves that. Yes. Um, one of the things I find so refreshing about it, which I was hoping from Rogue One and it didn't even go far enough, was like... There's no Jedi's. I mean, there's like yeah, the Yoda baby has like Force powers, but we're not talking. He's about, not trained. He's not a trained Jedi. We're not talking about destiny and the Force and the balance and the Empire, right? And the Republic. It's not a big story. And I'm right. like, yeah, there's plenty of room for small Star Wars, right? And it's all, and that's it what would, I thought Rogue One was. And then we had the character who well, I like that character, but that whole like I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. Yeah, I w- every time that comes up, I'm like. Man, I would really like it if we didn't bring up the Force. Yeah. If this is just about rebels fighting stormtroopers, like, do Jedis and the Force and lightsabers have to be a part of everything? everything? Yeah. And it's like, is it one of those tropes where, uh, and watching Rogue One, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a big X-Wing battle. And I'm like, do they do they have a checklist when they make these of like, we gotta have a lightsaber battle and we gotta have Jedis and we gotta have space battles and we gotta have stormtrooper battles. Yeah. And I like that the Mandalorian is like, nah, just... Just the bounty hunter fights aliens, and that's it. This one, just you know, here's a couple of stormtroopers. Well, but we don't. You don't have to do everything that Star Wars does every single time, right? And I think that's as cool as like if they don't have a lightsaber show up through the entire season of The Mandalorian, that would be absolutely just fine. You right. know, it's like I don't need to see. You know, even the Baby Yoda using the Force, I I thought that bothered me more than it did. You know what I mean? It like used the Force, and I was like, oh, okay, it kind of worked. It's like it. It didn't upset me. Uh, and they also haven't relied on it. You haven't really this this episode. He's just walking around like a baby, right? And that's fine. I think that's better that he's doing that. If if it was just to establish that this thing can use the force when necessary yeah. or has the ability, and that that's why it's valuable, it's like okay, that makes sense. You know, yeah. And it's I'm not, very very happy with what they're doing. I and, and it's be. not that these are things I don't like about Star Wars, but I don't need it all the time. It's like one of the reasons I have loved the Spider-Man movies in the MCU is that we don't oh, yeah. have to watch Uncle Ben be- die again. We, he doesn't get bit by a spider, and Uncle Ben doesn't die. Yeah, in these. and it's there. Like- there are some things you don't need to to do again, yeah. and it's kind of nice to. I was watch. I, there was um some Batman group on social networking was like posting memes, mm-hmm. and they'll do these things where like here's every Joker, here's every live action Batman, and with the dates. And then they were like, here's every death of the Waynes. And I was like, this is my problem with Batman right. live action is you have seven deaths of the Waynes. Right. I don't. We don't need that kind of stuff. You that know? was the worst sign going into Batman versus Superman. That's when I knew I was not going to enjoy it. It was like it opens with the deaths of the Waynes. And I'm like, what are we God, doing here? I'm again? like, God damn it. Yeah, this is about Batman fighting Superman. This is not about who Batman is or why Batman is who he is. Right. We've Batman's, had enough movies Batman's about that. Batman's established this is about that he meets Superman and fights him. Right. I don't need to see the fucking Wayne's die, and I certainly don't need his parents to be two cast members from The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a big thing is like there are certain superheroes where it's like the origins, uh, we don't need them anymore. And it's yeah. Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man. They're the biggest three superheroes. Everyone knows their superpowers. I, I say origins. we never need to see Iron Man's. Arguably, again. yeah. If it's, if and when they well. reboot it, yeah. yeah. If you do a, a different version of Captain America, all right, I could see it. If he's frozen in a different way, but Iron Man was that was nailed so hard that 
I, I don't ever want to see Tony being trapped in, in a, a cave. terrorist cave again, even if you recast him. Right. It's it's not going to be done better than that. Yeah, because not, that's not the story. The story's about that he's a rich guy that has this armor. And and that's that's always that dichotomy with superhero movies is I, as a comic fan, I always want to get the origin over with. Because, yeah, you want to get into the uh, the actual meat of the story. Right, because my my experience with comics and superheroes in general is just, that's the backstory. This is why he's a superhero, but that's not the main story. The main story is this villain attacks the city and he's got to fight him. Yeah. And that opens up the potent, a world potential of hundreds and thousands of stories, and the origin is just one. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. I never really thought about it that way, is when you're reading comics, you know, you never... They do redo the origin a lot of times. They, you know, they reprinted it a lot of times initially in the 60s and 70s. They're reprinting the actual origins. Yep. And then later they were retelling the origins through flashbacks or. But it'd be like one page. Right. And it, it is something to remember is like, but all these super movies, part of the problem with like the Fantastic Four movies we were talking about. I don't know if that was off the air or earlier in the episode. But the idea is that like that we spend so much time fucking around in the origin and then yep. the character learning how to use the powers it's it's actually just refreshing to get in and just do do the story right off the bat that's why well, i told my dad about mandalorian we watched the episode of the opening and i and that was like that's it there's there's no origin for this character right it's like you just get in you find out who he is and it's like this but is what the show's are, about we've seen a couple of flashbacks of like what the purge was when, right when the and empire like but you know what we don't have three episodes of this kid like growing up and then right. the Empire comes in. It's like, no, he's a Mandalorian. And it's like every now and then he thinks about it, which is the only way I want to see Batman Origins ever again. Yeah, uh, I'd be very happy if we didn't see one. I would be so happy as if this Matt Reeves Batman movie never mentions his parents. Yeah. Don't. Just right. fight the villains. Right. I'm here to watch you in a costume fight villains. And that's... And that's what's great about Mandalorian. I don't need Darth Vader. I don't need the Force. I don't need the Jedi's. I don't need the dark side. Like when I was playing with my Kenner toys as a kid, it looked like this. I didn't do that all the time. It, there, I did a lot of Han Solo, right? Han Solo fighting Boba Fett, and that's what we're finally getting. Yeah. So that's what my big thing is. I'm I'm hoping that this is kind of like shows them the way that Star Wars can be. You know, if if the rest of Star Wars that's coming down the pipe is going to look like this, it's uh it's very exciting. Right. And Disney's at a crossroads right now because they're really promoting Rise of Skywalker as being the end. And um like when I was watching Days Ridley on the Tonight Show this week, Jimmy Fallon's like, "So this is the last Star Wars. This is it." And she's like, "Yep, this is the end." And I'm like, but the, you got a show on, right? And this There's guy's two working more shows on a trilogy, and this guy's working on a movie. I'm hoping it's just the we're end get, of Skywalkers. Yeah, we're no gonna, more Darth Vader, no more uh, Skywalkers, none of no more of this like the Sith and the Jedi. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to have Sith and other movies. That's fine, but this whole like the Emperor. Put this is a end of the original Star Wars trilogy, the prequels. And this new trilogy. It's like, no more of this crap. This yeah. is over. Nine movies is more than enough to tell the story. It's a universe we can move Close the book on. Yeah, it was like, like in Rogue One, the best part of Rogue One was a last minute reshoot where like Darth Vader just starts chopping up the Yeah, rebels. it was awesome. It's awesome, but when I saw Darth Vader show up in that movie, it was a nostalgia feeling that I got. 
And it, it's not what I got in Sith. In Sith, when they finally show him at the end, and he goes, no. It was terrible. It was terrible, but I was like, okay, we are here at this moment. Now we have a Darth Vader. In Rogue One, I was like, man, when I was a kid, I loved watching Star Wars movies, and here's Darth Vader on a big screen, and I'm in a the theater. Yeah. You can only take that so far. Like, okay, we got to do something new. And there's a lot of brands that never get out of that. I um and it would be a shame to say if like Marvel got locked into this if we were just constantly riffing on Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. And that's kind of why it's nice that he's gone. You know, I understand yeah. he's probably going to show up in Black Widow, and I I'm not holding out the possibility that he'll be back in a future movie. But it's like there are other corners of this universe that works. Let's just poke around and see what that looks right, like. Right, and Marvel's been great about that because Marvel can point to Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel. Yeah. It's like, here's all these movies that have no Iron Man in them, right. and they really work. Well, and I think that's the biggest thing to remember is that like um, Marvel could have made Iron Man 4, and instead they gave us Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that's what's the important thing is that... like There was just an article about that, yeah. I think I read it, and that's what I was thinking of, is that like this idea that... You know, they could have just given us the same superhero over and over and over and over again. And they're like, no, here's a talking tree and a raccoon. How do you guys like this? Right. And every time we saw Iron Man, they kept carrying his story forward. Right. But the the movies after that were not about Iron Man. He was one. Even even in Endgame, which, spoilers at this point, the biggest movie of the year, where where he dies at the end, it's not all about him. Right. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot in this movie in Endgame about the Hulk. There's a Cap- lot about Captain America. There's a lot Thor. about Ant Man. Yeah. A lot about Thor. Yeah, all of these characters go through arcs, so they're not they're not stuck where they are, but they're also Hawkeye and Black Widow got kind of like uh, endings yeah. for their stories. So and we're getting a Hawkeye show, right? And a Black Widow movie. Yeah, you know. So I I yeah I'm uh. I'm Marvel still has faith because obviously they've been doing it. I will say I'm very excited based on the Mandalorian so far for more excited for those Marvel shows than I initially was. Cause it, I, I think Disney basically went to both. It was the same message given to the people creating the new star Wars shows for the app and the people creating the Marvel shows for the app. And the message was, uh, build us the best show you can. Do you know what I mean? It's like everyone wants game of Thrones and right. it's like, this is Disney taking their two biggest properties and attempting to make uh, like a Game of Thrones type show. I think I'm so used to Marvel shows being kind of just like not great. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Inhumans, yeah. or any of the Marvel cartoons that are super disposable because we've had a hundred over the, the years. The Netflix were varying quality. Yeah, and the and same thing. Where it's I just hated like, Iron Fist. I didn't even watch Iron Fist. Uh, I didn't finish Iron Fist. I never I finished season Defenders. One. I, didn't watch season two. I never finished Jessica Jones season two. I never finished I never Luke watched Cage Jessica season Jones two. season three, yeah. Um, the only one I watched was uh, Daredevil, all of it. And I think I finished Punisher. But it's like, I was very much just like, these are okay. There's a lot of filler episodes. Yeah. And um, it seems and like... I'm not feeling that with The Mandalorian yet not at yet. all. And that might change, but as it is right now, it's like, uh, if this is any indication of what's coming down the pipe from Disney+, Plus, I am very excited for uh, their streaming service. Well, I was watching... Um, have you seen the Imagineers show on Disney? Yeah, I've seen it. I've got it on my like, watch later, but... It's you know. really, really good, and it's about the theme parks. So yeah. it's, it's a fascinating... It's a documentary series where they do... It's an hour a week. Um, kind of like Jeff Goldblum, 
um, which I'm also caught up yeah, with. I'm very much loving that. But, you know, the first episode was about building Disney World, Disneyland, and the second episode was about Disney World, and the third episode was about the Disney cruises. So it was everything that's not the animation and the movies. Yeah. But how they run their they business, it. and it's... You know, and and there's fascinating stories about, hey, when Walt died, what did they do? And here's Michael Eisner, and here's when they loved him, and here's where they hated him. Um, I would love for them to do another show that's like, here's the movie studio, and here's here's our television properties. Um, But it made me think about Disney in a deeper way, and kind of how I feel about Disney is I – Growing up, I never cared about Disney. Disney always felt kind of old, kind of soft. I much preferred the Looney Tunes characters to the Disney characters. Um, And I realized I love Disney now, but I love Disney now for things they bought, not for things they created. They created, right. Because I grew up loving the Muppets and Marvel and Star Wars. And Disney owns all of them. Disney did not create any of it. Any of it. But they're doing a good job maintaining. Yeah, they're good custodians of intellectual properties. Right. You know, I'm not a big fan of this mega monopoly that's uh, developing out of Disney. I think it's horrifying uh, when you look at the big picture of the amount of companies that fall under the Disney umbrella, especially when it comes to like news organizations. And it's not just entertainment. Right. That's, it's news. It's late-stage capitalism. Yeah, it's... Uh, Politically, it's, it's horrific. It's production. It's technology. Yeah. Everything's consolidating, consolidating. Yes. This is why we used to have trust busting. Yes. And, and antitrust laws. Yeah, antitrust laws yeah. And, and breaking up monopolies. Right. These are all because things. Because problems like this. But yeah, because that bil- all. Because billionaires are killing thousands yeah, of people. Eat the rich. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, the uh, the entertainment stuff that it's pumping out that it's res- quote-unquote responsible for or the it's the backing behind it's like um it's it's like it's like brainwashing <laughs> you know it's like the the star wars stuff's incredible the marvel stuff obviously f- for since it's been coming out with the iron man movies been great it's like um it they really are killing it you know well what i learned in the imagineering because they they talk about things that didn't work they talk about like when they started Euro Disney. Oh, yeah. And they talked about, like, Disney's California adventure. They They did a big... There was a big thing in downtown Chicago in the early 2000s. It was, like, a... uh, Like, it was supposed to be, like, a video game, like... Um, I don't really know what you call it. It was supposed to be like this like hub. You could go downtown and it was like this Disney quest or something like this it was called. And I remember like my mom telling me about it when we were like younger, probably like a teenager. And then it, I maybe we went there once and then it just like folded. Yeah, so they talk about that. And really the theme that comes through is um, w- when they talk about things that didn't work, they were like, like Disney Hong Kong failed. Mm. And a lot of these were... This last episode during the Eisner era was like, oh, they wanted to make things cheaper. And with Walt, it was like, whatever it costs, we're going to do it, and we're not going to do it unless we do it right. Yeah. And those are the things that have stood the test of time. And I realized watching this episode, I was like, wow, Disney's motto, and they don't say it outright, but what they've learned through trial and error is you get what you pay for. Yeah. And the message that kept coming back through the way they built the theme parks and the way they designed things and the timelines that they used is – Hey, if we don't spend that money up front, we don't get the money back from the customers. Yeah. Is we're traveled fast. Every time they tried to make a smaller park, they said, oh, people would come here and in four hours they were done. And they didn't want to come back. Whereas with Disney World, 
you go there and you can't finish it all in one day. Right. So you stay for three days and you spend a lot more money and you get more memories and then you come back again in two, three years. Right. If you, if you look around and they said with the detail, if you're like, Oh, I can see they just painted that wall. I can see that's drywall. You walk away with this feeling of disappointment. Yeah. And if you do that, you walk away with a, a tarnished version of the brand. And I was like, Oh, that, this is why I would love to see other shows. Um, that they made because it's like they use that approach with things like Star Wars and Marvel of like if we cheap out people are gonna think this brand is cheap right whereas I think that's one of the problems they had that Kevin Feige had with Ike Perlmutter is that Disney goes in going like we're gonna make Avengers Endgame the biggest movie that's ever been made we made the it's the was the most expensive movie ever made, and it made more money than any movie ever. Yeah, and then you had guys like Ike Perlmutter who scooped up Marvel in bankruptcy, going like, "I don't want to pay Robert Downey Jr. twenty million. We could just replace him. Yeah, let's replace him for cheaper." And Disney, and Disney's the one going in, going, "The more money we spend, the more we'll get back." And I realized, oh, there. That's why I don't hate Disney. Yeah. Like I said, they ha- they're they not creating anything I care about. I don't give a shit about Mickey Mouse. I love a lot of the Pixar movies, but I don't really go back to them. Yeah. I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, wow, wasn't Finding Nemo great? Wasn't right. Monsters Inc. great? And I, I enjoy those movies, but I don't feel a kinship with that brand. Um, They bought everything that I like, so I got to go over to their house, sure. basically. Uh, You know, basically, it's like all my friends moved into this apartment complex that, all right, now it's kind of corporate and i got a buzz to get in but hey i go in there and all, all my, my friends are here all my friends live here and they yeah. live in a really nice house that's the way i feel about disney but disney is sparing no expense creatively or financially that that's been the worry all the time is like oh man they're gonna water down marvel well, yeah. they're gonna water down star wars i remember hearing it's not gonna that. be violent when they bought marvel everyone lost their mind there it was pictures of wolverine with mickey mouse ears and everyone's like well now it's not gonna be violent and they're gonna tone it down to blah blah, blah. and it's like you know, obviously history's proven those people wrong is that this idea is that like they buy properties and then they trust in those properties to do what those properties should be doing. You right, know, it's like they, they let Marvel be Marvel. Yeah, and they give it the support that they need. And that's a lot of this Imagineers series, um, which again, I really recommend, but they talk about, yeah, hey, we wanted to build this ride and we didn't have the technology for it and they left us. You know, they left us alone when we did it, and now this ride has been here for 50 years. Right. And there's there are a, a lot of instances of like, oh, they wanted it done cheaper, so we put it out there. People came, they didn't like it, and so we, we closed a, it. Right. Um, you don't see that philosophy in any American businesses anymore. You don't even see that with Apple. Apple, right. Everything Apple is, has been cheaping out. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, um, give them credit for that, I guess, is that like – um, d- just as like kind of like a as an enormous social experiment, what Disney is doing is uh is just on the books interesting. You know, it's like Disney's doing all this proprietary technology about drones working together, mm-hmm. like uh, systems of drones with like lights and stuff for shows at the parks, and it's like the kind of stuff that they're on the cutting edge of like figuring out. You know, it's like all the biggest. Um, special effects movies of the year they're disney movies yeah. endgame was the most um expensive um what do you call it uh computer graphic movie ever made they had more shots than any more than movie. anything they said every single major um after effects 
company in the world worked on Endgame. You know, Star Wars is coming out in a month, so that'll have the biggest effects we've ever seen for, like, a movie. Yeah. And I think it's like, uh, it's it's a social experiment, quote-unquote, to see what they're going to come out with is interesting. It's just, And maybe that's the difference between The Mandalorian and Daredevil. You can see The Mandalorian must have cost five times what Daredevil cost. That's actually what's surprising is I remember we were talking about the first episode and I was a little disappointed with the graphics. I said it looked people like people have said that. I don't agree with that. I actually like, don't anymore. I said it on the first episode, and then I've watched the episode since. I'm like, they don't look as good as the movies, but it's like this is pretty, pretty damn good yeah, for a I show. I don't think they're lacking in it. Where where I see it being simpler than a movie is the amount of shots they use, the amount of angles they use, right. the, the lighting. Um, it doesn't vary as much. It's like okay, we lit this scene and we'll shoot it from a couple of predictable angles right and sometimes the cg looks like cg sure but uh i certainly don't see it as like say compare here's the the best comparison compare daredevil to spider-man homecoming yeah daredevil and spider-man are similar characters in the marvel universe they live in the same place yep they have the same type of power set but they're night and day those things yeah and you can't say i don't think you can say that about certainly mandalorian against rogue one yeah, I mean, I think it's like it's very much on the same level, uh, I would say. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, definitely hooked, definitely excited about what they're doing. I, I haven't actually, I do want to hear, but haven't, like actual honest criticism of The Mandalorian. I, uh, my buddy at work was telling me, um, not the Star Wars guy at work, but my boss, he read an article from a feminist that was uh, watched the first two episodes, I think, of Mandalorian. was like, this show's garbage. This guy's basically a Clint Eastwood ripoff. There's no feminine characters and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if this chick had just waited four episodes, the fourth episode we just saw, the badass bounty hunter chick beats the tar out of the Mandalorian. Yep. And then the farmhand girl is like a crack shot with a rifle. Yep. It's like, there's your feminine characters. It's like, I understand that these characters, you had to wait three episodes to get there and that the main characters in a female and I'm all about like equality and uh, diverse cast and stuff. But it's like, this show is doing it. It's just taking time to get there. Yeah, I also don't. Um... Also, he's fucking, he's an alien. <laughs> you know, it's like, this ain't like he's a white dude under this helmet. He's an alien person. The woman that, the Vandalorian that made his armor is obviously female. Right. I also don't listen to criticisms that come from uh, with an agenda. Yeah, where they're it like very clearly seem. There's hey, if anyone wants to say Star Wars is sexist, please by all means say that because if you were a kid and you watched the original Star Wars trilogy and you're a boy and I said who's your favorite character and you said Luke Skywalker and I said great you can't pick Luke Skywalker pick somebody else and you say Han Solo and I said great but you can't pick Han Solo either pick another character you could say Darth Vader and I said great you can't pick Darth Vader pick another character you pick Yoda you could go down the list there's endless male characters if you're a little girl and your favorite movie Star Wars who's your favorite character Princess Leia great you can't pick Princess Leia pick a different character there are no other female characters in those entire trilogy so it's like the first Star Wars, totally sexist. There's one woman in the entire galaxy. Yeah. But you can't say that about the Mandalorian. But th- that's the weird thing about Star Wars is Star Wars has always had strong female characters. Princess Leia was the first badass woman I've ever yes, seen in a movie. Absolutely. And then. But she um, was the only one in the entire right, the universe. Only one. And in the prequel, there's only <laughs> yeah. Natalie Portman. And now there's only. Now there's Ray, but they added. Ro- they finally added a second woman. Right. Everyone lost their minds over that poor girl. Yeah. 
the greatest thing in the world. This week. This is kind of hilarious because our... Uh, yeah, you texted my, me before I got here. My initial topic w- is, got pushed back so far, it's now greatest thing in the world. But I saw Martin Scorsese's The Irishman over the weekend, uh, and I had a lot of thoughts about it. You yeah. didn't see it? No, I okay. uh, I guess I knew it was on Netflix, but I didn't know if it was a movie or a show or what it was. And um... It's a movie. Um, I... I've been looking forward to it for a while. They've been talking about this for about two years. This was like the big budget Netflix movie. Like it's not a weird mid-budget indie mm-hmm. thing, which is usually what they make. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, most of Netflix's high-profile projects have been television series. Right. Uh, this is the first real movie. There have been like little things here and there, but this is the first real movie that's like, this is a big budget movie. This is Oscar bait. We put it in the theaters. We're making a really big deal out of it. Um, and I love Martin Scorsese movies. And it's funny because Martin Scorsese has been in the news as he's been talking about this movie coming out and, you know, criticizing Marvel movies and getting into controversy about it, criticizing blockbusters. And here we are going, <laughs> we, hey, let's talk about The Irishman. And we spent 50 minutes talking about The Mandalorian <laughs> for the fourth week in a row. Exactly. Fuck you, Martin Scorsese. He would not be happy No, with he'd this. be mad. But I, I had a lot of thoughts about The Irishman. And as I talked to people, they had a lot of thoughts about The Irishman. Okay. Um... There's a lot going on in it. There's a lot that works, and there's a lot that's not the best thing in the world. But it's your greatest thing this week. Well, I feel like it's something that needs to be talked about. And yeah. other than that, I bought a bunch of figures at Mr. Wayne's small business sale. Yeah. And hooray, thanks to Mike Kaplan for doing such a great job uh, at the Mr. Wayne sale. He's been on the show. He's a good friend of ours. Uh, it's a wonderful store. I ran into Dave Redfield when I was there. I bought a Mezco 112 Cyclops that Steven will not put down. He's pretty dope. Uh, <laughs> he might give me a free Punisher as part of the sale. Yeah. Uh, he showed me an idea for a custom, which I then bought at Walgreens. <laughs> uh, I went uh, to Walgreens last night. I found two more exclusives. It was a good figure day. Mm. That could easily be my greatest thing yeah. in the world. But the Irishman. The Irishman is... You go into it thinking this is everything you've wanted from Scorsese movies. Now, Stephen, have you seen a lot of Martin Scorsese movies? Um, I wouldn't say I've seen a lot, but I think I've seen like the big ones, like Goodfellas. Um, yeah, so Goodfellas, like a long time ago. Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, I've never seen. Uh, Raging Bull. Uh, I haven't seen Raging Bull, but I saw The Departed. Yeah, Wolf of um, Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, I saw. Yeah. King um, of so Comedy has been talked about a lot because Joker. Because the Joker is a yeah. big thing. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of the recent stuff and some of the older stuff but i wouldn't be like oh martin scorsese's doing a new movie it's like if i happen to catch it i catch it yeah arguably martin scorsese's peak is the late 80s early 90s and it was um he was known as a great filmmaker funnily enough the first time i heard of him was when he put out last temptation of christ Mm -hmm. which uh you know the catholic church hated and i was in seminary school at the time and they were all yelling about martin scorsese so i went to check it out and also I had a friend who was like a big film geek who showed me After Hours, mm-hmm. which is one of his minor films with like Griffin Dunn and uh, Roseanne Arquette. And it's a good movie. So I kind of backed into his big movies. Um, Last Generation Christ is fascinating now, not because the Catholic Church was angry because there was like a fantasy scene of Jesus having sex with Mary Magdalene. But when you look at it now, 
What's amazing about that movie was he cast Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe as, Jesus. as Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And I love that because uh, it's just he because Willem Dafoe can't not be Willem Dafoe. Right. Willem Dafoe is about two steps away from Jeff Goldblum. I was gonna say he's on the <laughs> spectrum of Goldblum. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like he's kind of doing his own thing all the time. Yep. But he's like walking. My favorite scene ever, and I probably mentioned it before, was the parable of the temple. You know, when he goes to the temple. And he knocks all the guys over. The sellers, yes, stuff. because they're selling stuff in the temple. Yeah. Um, there's a great scene in Jesus Christ Superstar where, like, he just belts out like a Chris Cornell. Like, he's like, get out! And, like, starts smashing everything. Um, and it's always good. Like, when John Legend did the live version on NBC, he did a great job. But in Last Temptation of Christ, it's Willem Dafoe is his most badass where he just walks up to the dealer and goes, Having a good day. <laughs> yeah. Top up. Um, but Scorsese is a really interesting filmmaker. Goodfellas is one of my top five movies ever made. I wrote my film term paper on it while it was in the theaters. So I saw it like four times in the yeah. theaters and I still just adore it. I worked with an artist who is an extra in it. Oh, that's cool. Where he pointed it out. He's like, that's me. It's the back of my head. And I'm like, yeah, that is the back of your head. Yeah, I know what your head looks like. Uh, I adore it. And this movie is kind of set like in that. Casino is a really underrated movie. Yeah, it's not Casino. Casino's great. People kind of dismissed it at the time. of like, ah, this is Goodfellas again. But uh, it's the best you'll ever see Sharon Stone in anything. Um, De Niro's playing it kind of differently. Like... Scorsese has made the best mob movies that are not named The Godfather yes. in history. And this is a new one. And this is a movie that combined, that has Robert De Niro as the star. It brings Joe Pesci back from retirement. Joe Pesci retired 20 years ago. Oh. He stopped making movies. Yeah. Um, Harvey Keitel is a small part in it, but he's the other big Scorsese guy. Al Pacino is huge in it, and Al Pacino has never been in a Martin Scorsese movie. Oh, that's crazy. Ray really? Romano is a dramatic actor in it, and he's phenomenal. Yeah. Huh. So it's just... it's He's doing a lot of interesting things. Uh, yeah, it's just really loaded. Jim Norton plays Don Rickles in it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's really front-loaded, but the um, he uses all of this de-aging technology so he doesn't have to do any recasting. Mm. So he has like De Niro goes from like 25 to 80 and he does that kind of like takes the wrinkles out of his face. Yeah. Um, but I have to say this movie's not entirely successful. It's mm-hmm. three and a half hours and I still feel like it's a minor Scorsese movie. It's very slow. It feels not only like Actors in their 70s, but a director in his 70s. He's like taking his time. Yeah. Also, you know, Netflix didn't have any demands on the running time because there's no competition for the time limit on Netflix. Right. You could do whatever they want. People have said, hey, maybe this should have been a six episode series because it's three and a half hours long. Yeah. But it's like, even if had he released this in theaters, the studio would have been like, well, at three and a half hours, you can only show it four times on a screening, cut an hour out, and we can show it five times and we'll make 20% more money. Netflix, it doesn't matter. We've all paid our subscription. Right. And you know what? If they I pause it and come back to it. Yeah, but it's real slow because of that. Um, one of the guys at work mentioned it perfectly. He's like, yeah, the de-aging on their faces works really well, but they still move like old men. Yeah, that was my big complaint with uh, Captain Marvel was that it, it Nick Fury looked oh, Sam like, Jackson, he, yeah. like he did in Jurassic Park, but he moved around like Nick Fury does now. It's like he's 70, you know, and he's... Yeah, it's he's, not like these guys are in bad shape, but right, your arms and 70. legs don't move as yeah. fast. It's just, there's always so much you can expect him to do. Yeah, there it's... 
and there's a lot of that in it. Um, and that, like Pesci's really good because for some reason Pesci's the quietest. And hmm. you don't think about that with Joe Pesci. Yeah, I mean, you think he's loud and sc- I always think of Pesci from Lethal Weapon. Yeah, and you know what? Pesci made Goodfellas, which he won the Oscar for, and Home Alone the same oh, he year. He won a Oscar for Goodfellas. He won a Best Supporting Actor That's for crazy. Goodfellas. Good for him. Those movies were out in the theater at the same fucking time. That's wild. They were both Christmas, nineteen ninety. Awesome. You know, in a lot home, of Joe Pesci in, in Home Alone, his head's on fire. Yeah, right. <laughs> Literally, a lot of screaming in Home Alone too. Yeah, but he's kind of he's a mob boss in this, and he's kind of quiet and thoughtful. And he's like, look, you got to do the thing. And there's wonderful moments of interaction. Yeah, of like Pesci being Pesci, yep. De Niro being De Niro. And that's what you want to see. Yeah, out of yeah, of that kind of like. It, these are the kind of things that make me miss living in Queens. Right. Where it's like, hey, this guy got to go do the thing. Well, you know, like a fucking guy. He's yeah. going to fucking they're, do this. Those people only exist in New York and New Jersey. You know? Yes. <laughs> and that one magical weekend where we took you and all of them to Puerto to Rico. To Puerto Rico, yeah. It's lovely. <laughs> it's a weekend that will never be repeated. Um, the But, like, overall, it's like... They also had such creative freedom that it's like, this could have been better. Yeah. Where, like, De Niro and Al Pacino were known as the greatest actors of their generation. Like, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, you talked about Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Dustin Hoffman as being the greatest actors. And then, to a lesser extent, you talked about Robert Redford. Right. Um and they're all still really good. I mean, Robert Redford was great in Winter Soldier. Yeah, he's really good. And he in shows it. up in Endgame. Um, but he became more of a director. But these guys were known as like having the um, an immense amount of range. So it was slightly disappointing to see them kind of doing their shtick. Yeah. Like it's three hours of De Niro going, well, no. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, De Niro doing thing. De Niro. Yeah. Uh, Al Pacino I am the most disappointed in because Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. But he spends the whole movie going, I'm Jimmy Hoffa! Yeah. Ah, here's, I'm running the unions! Oh, I'm gonna run the unions! Ah, here's the mob, can't tell me what to do! I'm a Jimmy Hoffa! Ah. And I'm like, really? That yeah. was your choice? That's as much as you wanted to do, huh? There's a movie nobody remembers called Hoffa. And it was in the early 90s. Jack Nicholson plays Jimmy Hoffa. And uh, Danny, DeVito, Danny DeVito directed it and yeah. is in it. And Jack Nicholson does more of a character performance. Uh, and this is Nicholson is as, at his height. This yeah. is like Nicholson right off of Batman. Like he could have just gone, I'm oh, Jimmy Hoffa yeah. for two hours. And he tries to play that part more than Pacino does. Hmm. And these guys are undeniably great actors working right. with an A-list director, working with it an unlimited budget, an unlimited timeline. They could have done anything they wanted to do. It felt like Amazon to me. My big complaint with Amazon is Amazon redefined what retail is. They started as a little bookseller, as a website that sold books. Yep. They started as they wanted to be Barnes and Noble, but on the internet. And now they own everything. They sell everything. They have the immense power. And they looked at what they wanted to do as a business model and went, you know what? Walmart's fine. Yeah. We'll treat our people. Walmart. Yeah. We will undercut price on everybody. We'll treat our employees like shit. Yeah. And we'll be everywhere. And it's like, you. You could have been so much better. You could have created a utopia of commerce. Yeah. And you. You gave us a digital Walmart. Yeah. And yeah, you just gave us late stage capitalism. And I feel like, in a way, creatively, that's this. It's like, you could have made the greatest movie ever and you kind of like just 
you did a greatest hits of your own career. Right. In a lot of ways, Scorsese has always been trying to document the boomer experience. And um, he's done it in a lot of great ways. I mean, Goodfellas goes from the 40s to the 80s and just shows like the kind of energy that that generation had. He made the greatest music documentary ever made. The Last Waltz is better than Woodstock. Uh, You know, it it absolutely encapsulates what the classic rock was as it came of age. Yeah. Um, He makes these amazing documentaries about George Harrison and Bob Dylan that are all just footage that he cuts together in interviews. But... Scorsese, more than any director, has documented the boomer experience in the greatest way possible. Yeah. And this feels like the boomer, the boomers are old men looking back. And Scorsese has always felt like you're going on this journey with them. And yeah. the, when you watch this movie, the journey feels like it's already over. I mean, it opens with De Niro as an old man in a nursing home. Right. And then it goes back. It it doesn't feel vital. It doesn't feel current. Yeah, it's 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 like the last guess of the boomers. It's like it kind of feels like that. It does, but the boomers the... you like. Whereas right. I think President Trump is the last gasp of the boomers politically. Yeah. This film feels like the last gasp of the boomers filmmaking generation. Right. This is the end of Easy Riders Raging Bulls. Yeah. Which is a book about the filmmakers of the 70s, about how Coppola and Scorsese and Dennis Hopper and George Lucas took over Hollywood. And it makes you look back and think of like, yeah, Coppola runs a vineyard now. Lucas retired. Yeah. You know, and Scorsese's making these movies about like what it used to be like to make mob movies in the 70s and 80s. Right. So we've moved on a little from it. I would recommend it only to people who have seen every Scorsese movie and love Scorsese movies. Yeah. Yeah. You should see this one. You know, um, it's certainly better than bringing out the dead or shutter Island. Um, but it's no good fellas. It's not a casino. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'll get to it. It's uh it's three and a half hours. So yeah. Think about it. I don't know about that kind of time. Um, I, so obviously the Mandalorian, if you're not watching, you should be watching <laughs> we that. We spent 45 minutes um, talking about that, but, uh, we, I've known about this a little longer, but we were, we were waiting, uh, as you do with these kinds of things is, uh, we've, we found out, I think, two or three weeks ago, but it's officially announced, is that my uh, my brother and his uh, wife are expecting their first child. Congratulations. Uh, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited more for browns. this. Yeah, anytime there's more browns, I'm very happy. Uh, so I was talking to my dad about it afterwards because they had told us we all had breakfast together a couple weeks ago and they told us and then they made the announcement on Thanksgiving. Now that's past nine weeks or whatever the rules are. And I was talking to my dad about you excited. He's like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "I'm gonna spoil the shit out of that kid," <laughs> you know. So it's like, uh, it's joyous personal uh, life. So your greatest events. thing in the world is a new human being. And, well, not yet. He's we don't know if he's he or she's just a little guy. He looks just like my brother though, <laughs> from the little picture they take in the womb. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, he hasn't been born yet. No, no, no. He's just like a little blob in a on a what do you call it? What do you call those? Who's saying is Michael is a walking embryo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looks just like him. It's great. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. The only thing I've been doing is I finally downloaded the download content for Spider-Man PS4. 
Oh, and, the uh, DLCs. I never finished that last one. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm playing it, and I'm very bad at this game. I used to be a lot better, but I, uh, I've, I haven't played in probably a year, so... Your skills really do get rusty It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's like, I don't remember any of the controls. Every game's just slightly different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because I played the Cowboy game in between this. And Red then, Dead Redemption? Right, and that's on a different system, so the controls conf- don't translate, so it confuses me. Oh. But, so like, we have them both on PS4, so that at least... Oh, yeah, see, so I have uh, the... Uh, Red Dead on Xbox, mm. Spider-Man PS4, and I played the Red Dead in between. And I think the thing to do, like Cowboy Vision in the Cowboy game, where you can kind of slow everything down and highlight stuff that you're supposed to do. Oh, okay. Uh, that Spider-Man has a similar power in his game, where he can like scan the environment and look for stuff. Right. Uh, but the controls for it activates your suit super. So every time I go to do it, I waste my suit super when just I'm just start throwing webs. At yeah, things. when I'm like looking for clues, I throw webs everywhere, and I'm like, "Oh, this is this is not the game." Oh, and then I can't win fights. I used to be able to go into fights and yeah. like mop the floor with just like regular guys, and now I can't beat the big guys. Yeah, you have to get your skills. Well, yeah. there are always patterns, and right, you, you got to figure out patterns. the tricks to them. So yeah, I've been meaning to get back to Uncharted for a couple of years, and now now the Christmas is coming. I'm looking very closely at Jedi Fallen Order because now that Star Wars is cool again, this game's getting really good reviews. But yeah, now, it looks but, good. But then I'm also like, uh, do I have the time to build up the skills to play a new game? Yeah, it's, especially that's when I have games I haven't finished. So, um, let us know what you're into. Uh, did you love The Irishman? Did you think uh, it's got a 96 on Rotten Tomatoes? So there's a lot of people that think it's the greatest movie ever. Uh, do you think I'm wrong? Yeah. Um, do you think Steven should watch it this weekend? Yeah. Let us know. Probably. The way There are ways to get in touch with us. I am at Not On My Book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. Leave a comment. Leave a post. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics, and let us know what you're thinking. We're always posting the latest trailers and the latest news stories uh and we're as we're heading into christmas it's only going to get bigger we're now officially in a countdown to rise of skywalker i think that's the next big moment that's going to happen uh i also caught up on hickman's x-men we can talk about that uh if you're telling me how you're feeling about that i finally read issue two and Stephen, how do you follow the show you can find the show on spotify stitcher and the itunes podcast app And you? And me at the Brave Butter Pecan on Instagram. And we will talk to you next week.